How many of you remember this? How many of you have seen this before? This old box. I think I'll always remember that day when, uh, after the fire when we were uh, taking out the time capsule from the old bell tower and removed the cornerstone. I remember Jeremiah uh, working hard to get that cornerstone loose and he reached underneath. He said, there's a hollow spot. He says, it, it feels kind of wet. I think it just felt cold. Um, and in a few moments, he reached under and found this sealed box uh, in there and we pulled out the time capsule that had been left there for us 102 years earlier. And inside the time capsule, if you remember, we found newspapers, we found a bunch of postcards, there was one penny, I really wanted more money, but there was one penny in, uh, in that, uh, and there was list after list of names of people who were involved with the church and involved with the community, people who 102 years earlier wanted their names to be remembered. The only problem was, we didn't remember them. We had no idea who they were. There were a few family names that we recognized, but honestly, far fewer than you would think. And it was just their names, list after list of names. Nothing told us what they did. Nothing told us how they lived or what they valued in life. Just who they were, what their names were. But the fact is, 102 years from now, no one's going to remember our names either, names seldom live on. So if we're going to make an impact in this world, we have to do it now. We have to do it today. We're coming to the very end of Colossians. And it's easy just to overlook these last few verses and not even bother reading them. Usually we just ignore them. We decide they don't mean that much to us. It's just a list of names. It's Paul's friends, his supporters. It's people who made an impact on his life through their service, through their love and their care, Paul was enabled to serve and he was enabled to write his letters which make up much of the New Testament that we have today. And those letters continue to impact us. We're going to be there in Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. It's page 985 in the Bibles that are there in front of you. We come to this list of names. There are some names we recognize. You know, we see Luke here, we see Mark, and we, we recognize those names. There's other names that kind of look familiar to us. A lot of them we struggle to pronounce, but there's something we need to understand. None of the people listed in these verses, none of the people listed here served so they'd get their name in the Bible. None of them were serving so they'd get their name in the Bible. None of them are up in heaven saying, what page is your name on? My name is on page 985. In fact, my name appears two times in the Bible. None of them served for that reason. They were serving because Paul was their friend and Paul needed them. Some people serve so they'll have a legacy. So that someone will remember their name. I hope what we see is it's not about legacy. It's about love. We would do well to surround ourselves with friends the way Paul did. Paul had friends who were at his side no matter what. We would do well to have friends who are at our side no matter what. I've mentioned before, in fact I think I've mentioned several times in this series, that Paul was in prison 
when he wrote this letter. Uh, in fact, that's where he was when he wrote much of his, many of his letters. Prison in those days was not like prison today. Prison back then was not punitive, you know what I mean? It wasn't for punishment. You, you didn't go to prison because uh, you'd done wrong. You, you went to prison and that's where you waited for trial. And you may wait days, you might wait weeks, months, you may, may wait years in prison for your trial. But that's where you were held until trial. After trial, you were either released or you were executed. There really was not much of a difference or not many other options there. You were not sentenced to a certain number of years in prison after that. You were either sentenced to death or you were set free. And you were seldom set free. The other thing about prisons, they did not provide three hots and a cot like we do today. There were no meals provided in prison. There was no clothing. They did not provide you with medicine. So you had to rely on friends and family for that. And very few prisoners ever survived to their trial because they didn't have the kind of friends and family who were willing to feed them and take care of them. It's important that we have people who stand with us even when things are not going well. And you realize Paul's friends took heat for supporting him. He was in prison. You and I look back and and we've got this kind of romantic notion about Paul's life and who he was and what he was. But 2,000 years ago, this guy was in prison. And his friends took a lot of heat for supporting him and caring for him. And there were people who spread bad reports about Paul. And they said, you've got to stay away from him. He's a troublemaker. You know, he's in prison again. Again. Can you believe he's in prison again? And they took a lot of flack for taking care of Paul. There were many people who rejected him. There were many people who abandoned him. I mean, we, we look at him and we see this great hero of the faith. We see this person who, who wrote what became foundational to our faith. Back then, he was just Paul. He was a, another prisoner. But there were friends who stood by his side and cared for him through those difficult times. Verses 7-9, through nine, Paul says, Tychicus, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you? They will tell you everything that has taken place here. We've seen some of these names before. Tychicus is also mentioned in Ephesians. He carries Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. That seems to be what Tychicus did. He, he was Paul's mailman. He, he delivered letters for him. Paul refers to him as a beloved brother. He refers to him as a faithful minister. And he refers to him as a fellow servant in the Lord. I love that. Paul saw Tychicus as a fellow servant. He didn't see his status as above Tychicus. I'm an apostle. You're just a mailman. You know, that wasn't Paul at all. He didn't see himself as more important. He says he was a beloved brother. He uses that term also for a man named Onesimus, and you might recognize that name also. Onesimus was a runaway slave from Colossae. He was owned by a man named Philemon. And we have another letter where Onesimus is mentioned, the letter to Philemon. We're actually going to look at it in a, in a few weeks but, but he was a runaway slave. He was the lowest of the low. You couldn't get lower than a runaway slave. But Paul refers to him with the same affection as Tychicus. He shared the work and he shared the calling. 
He goes on in verses 10 and 11, and he says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, there's, Paul was working with a guy named Jesus just to keep people from getting confused. He says, Jesus, we call him Justice. <laughs> He's called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers in the kingdom of God. They have been a comfort to me. You notice what he says about these men. He says, these are the only men of the circumcision. In other words, these are the only fellow Jews who are among my friends right now. Now, now he doesn't say that to be divisive. You know, Paul already told us back in chapter 3, verse 11, here, meaning here in the church, here in our hearts, here in the kingdom of God, here there is not Jew and Greek, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and is in all. So he's not saying this to be divisive. Rather, he's saying these people, these three guys, they're the only ones who share my background. They're the only ones who were brought up the way I was brought up. They're the only ones who speak with my accent. They're the only ones that, well, the only ones whose moms knew how to cook like my mom. They're the only ones who grew up hearing the same bedtime stories that I grew up hearing. And Paul took comfort from having friends who shared the same background. That's, that's very important for us. It's very important for Paul that, that there be people who share that same background and, and that supported him. That's an important thing for us to realize. You know, back in verse 5 of, of chapter 4, Paul said, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, those who are outside the church. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. There are people out there, outside the church, who need you and me as friends. They need us to be friends because we're like them. We share the same interests. They like NASCAR the way that you like NASCAR. Hannah, they play the guitar the way that you play the guitar, Jason. They're people who share our interests and they, they need us to be their friends. You know what they're not interested in though? They're not interested in Jesus yet. But they need friends and they need us. And when we befriend them, we gain friends who will serve alongside us. We need those friends who will be at our side, those who will, who will serve with us. We also need friends who will offer us encouragement and comfort. I mentioned earlier there was no postal system in those days. So if you had a letter that you needed to get somewhere, you had to arrange to get your own postal carrier. You had to get somebody to carry that letter. Now the, the Roman army a lot of times would take sacks of mail with them as they traveled in campaigns, as they went from one place to another. But usually you went down to the marketplace and you found a merchant who was traveling or you found a friend who was going to be going somewhere and you said, hey, can you take a letter to Colossae for me? And, and they might get that letter as far as oh, Hierapolis, or maybe they'd get it to Laodicea, and then they'd find somebody else who could carry that letter on for you, which is why it's so great that Paul has Tychicus who, who can deliver his mail for him. And a lot of times, the letters never arrived. They never got to where they were supposed to go. So Paul's fortunate to have Tychicus carrying the letters. But more than that, he says in verse 8, he is sending Tychicus to you, not just to carry the letter, but that he may encourage your hearts. He has encouraged Paul's heart 
Now he wants to take a kiss to encourage their hearts. Later on in verse 11, he says of his friends, he says, they have been a comfort to me. Literally, the expression there is, they have relieved my pain. I think it's a beautiful expression. I, uh, I get to spend a lot of time in hospitals, you know, traveling around. I've seen all the great hospitals in our area, you know, I've been to all of them, eating their food, you know. But while I'm there visiting people, very often the nurse will come in and she's got that pain reliever with her. She's got that medicine. She comes in to, to relieve the pain. And, and you can just see the look on the person's face when that medicine is given. But what's even better than that is the look on the face when that one person they need to see walks in the door. When that one person who knows how to relieve their pain comes in the door. That person who is a comfort to them. Medicine doesn't compare to that. The one that they've wanted to see. The one who knows their heart. The one who knows their deepest pains. When they walk in, that makes all the difference. You have friends like that? You have friends who know your heart that way? I hope you do. Even more, I, I hope you're that kind of friend. You may not be remembered forever. Your name certainly isn't going to be immortalized in the Bible, but, but you'll be remembered for a lifetime for being that kind of friend. You know, you'll never really know the pain that someone else is going through until you take time to be that kind of friend. There's one other thing that Paul mentions about his friends here. One other thing that his friends did for him that we can do for each other. Paul shows us that we need friends who will struggle in prayer for us. He names another friend, and it's a name we've seen before. This man's name is Epaphras. And Paul says in Colossians 4, verses 12 and 13, he says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear witness, I bear him witness, that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Those were the two towns that were just up the road from Colossae. You know, it's one thing for someone to say, I'm praying for you. It's a completely different thing for someone to say, I'm struggling in prayer for you. I am fighting in prayer for you. The word that he uses for struggle, we translate it struggle, it's, you'll love this, the Greek word is agonizo. <laughs> Sounds like agonize. It's where we get the word agonize, agonizo. It means to wrestle, you know, and, and it physically, it, it means to grapple with someone, to wrestle. And used here, it, it emphasizes the intensity of his prayer. He is pouring all of his energy into praying for you. He is giving it all of his strength. There again in, in verse 13, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and Hierapolis. What is he working so hard doing? What's he doing for them that's causing such a struggle in, in his prayer? What's he praying about? Well, he's praying for their strength. He's praying that they would stand firm in the will of God, Paul tells us. You know, if you look back again in Colossians chapter 1, there in verse, there in verse 20, 22, he says of Jesus, Jesus is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. He's reconciled us in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. 
if, and then he throws in this conditional statement, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard. Epaphras is praying that they'll be stable and, and steadfast. He's praying for their growth and maturity. In chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And he's praying with this intensity that only comes from someone who knows them, who, who has known them his whole life. He knows their names, but he also knows their hearts. He knows their every pain. He knows their every struggle. And he knows their every joy. He makes that very telling statement about Epaphras in verse 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you? <laughs> Epaphras was from the town of Colossae. In fact, back in chapter 1, Paul indicates that Epaphras was one of the founders of the church there in Colossae. So this was not just some missionary out on the field who occasionally sends back letters thanking us for his support. This wasn't some preacher they had hired from who knows where. This was one of them. He knew them. He knew their hearts. He knew their concerns and their fears. He knew their faces. He knew their names. And he knew how to pray for them. Beyond just words, he knew how to struggle in prayer for them because he knew their struggles. I just feel like I need to mention, I don't know that either you or I really understand or appreciate our relationship. Do we really get how unique the relationship that I have with you is and that you have with me? I, I go to conferences. I was in India a couple of weeks ago at a, at a conference. I, I go to conferences and people always ask, well, where do you preach? What do you, what's your church like? And, and I always say, it's my home church. I grew up there. And they kind of, really? <laughs> how does that work? That's always their question. How does that work? And then they'll always quote Jesus. And they'll say, you know what Jesus said? A prophet is without honor in his hometown. And I say, amen. I'm not looking for honor. <laughs> they'll quote Jesus, but Epaphras, he was ministering in his hometown. If you look at the letter that Paul writes to the Philippians, he mentions another man there, similar name, Epaphroditus was his name. Epaphroditus was from Philippi, and, and he seems to have known them better than, than anyone. Epaphras did it. Uh, Epaphroditus did it. No one knows your heart the way I know your hearts. No one knows your, your struggles the way I know your struggles. People ask me, how do you do it? And I say, there's two things. One, I can't fool them. <laughs> But the other side is, they can't fool me. <laughs> I know where they're from. I know what they do. Back in chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says about Epaphras, he says, he had, Paul's never been here before, by the way. He's never been to Colossae. Chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says of Epaphras, he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. He's told us about your love. Let me tell you, nobody brags about you guys the way I brag about you guys. When I go to these conferences, when, I, when I'm talking with other people, I sing your praises, and, and you've earned it. 
my hope is that you do that for each other. I, you don't have to sing my praises, but I hope you do that for each other because you know each other's hearts, because you've shared life together. You know, if you're, if you're wanting your name to be remembered, if you want to be on a list, be on a prayer list <laughs> or, or have a, a prayer list. There's one other name listed in, in this passage that's always concerned me. I've never really been sure what to do with him. In verse 14, Paul says, Luke, we know Luke, right? Luke, the beloved physician, greets you. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Demas gets his name in the Bible three times. He's pretty special. Demas gets mentioned here in Colossians. Demas gets mentioned in Philemon, which is a letter that also goes to the church in Colossae. It goes to Philemon, who is one of the leaders in the church. And then finally, Demas gets mentioned in 2 Timothy, which is Paul's last letter. And most scholars believe that Paul wrote 2 Timothy maybe six months, within six months of, of being executed. Paul was beheaded by the Romans, and he wrote 2 Timothy within about six months of that. And Paul mentions Demas in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Paul tells Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. Do your best to come to me soon, Timothy, for, for Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me. And he's gone back to Thessalonica. I don't know what that means. I don't know exactly what to do with that. Demas, in, in love with the present world, has deserted me. Maybe it has something to do with what Paul says in, in chapter 3, verse 5, where he tells them, put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly, in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Maybe that's what he was in love uh, with the world about. Maybe it's something else. All I can say is something in this world held Demas's attention more than heaven held his attention, and it pulled him away. It pulled him away from Paul in his greatest moment of need, and it pulled him away from his faith. And there are people who come into our lives that are like that. They come into our lives for a season. And they bless us. And they serve with us. And we love them. And sometimes they're pulled away. And then sometimes they just walk away. And that's hard. That's hard for us. And, and we need to pray for them. We need to encourage them. We need to plead with them. But ultimately, it's their decision and and at some point, we have to respect their decision. And if it could happen to a, compa a companion of the Apostle Paul, it could happen to one of our companions. It could happen to any one of us. He wraps it all up there in verses 15 through 18. He says, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it also read at the church of the Laodiceans and see that you read the letter from Laodicea. I would love to have that letter. Holy Spirit didn't preserve it for us, but I would love to have that letter. And say to, say to Archippus, his friends probably called him Archie. Say to Archie, see to it that you fulfill the ministry that you have received from the Lord. In other words, get busy. <laughs> get busy serving. Get busy know, doing what you know you're supposed to do. 
And he says, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, and grace be with you. Such a simple greeting, and yet there's so much love. Pass on my messages, he says, and, and listen to each other. And, and, he, and he offers encouragement, and he even offers a prayer request. He says, don't forget my chains. Don't forget my burdens. Don't forget what I'm suffering and who I'm suffering for. And so the question for us is, can we be that kind of friend to each other? Can we be that kind of friend to people outside of the church? One day we're going to get around to having our own time capsule. I mean it. We really are. We're going to do it one of these days. I think we're going to do it in, in August after we've got the building paid off and we're going to have a big day. And I think we're going to set the stone back there sometime in late August. And we're going to have our own time capsule back there. What do we want to be in that time capsule? Do we want a list of names? Or do we want a list of friendships? Do we want a list that says, here's what this person meant to me. Here's what this person did for me. Could it be a list of friends? Are we building a legacy? Or are we building love? Please stand with me and we'll pray. Lord, today I am immensely aware of the friends we have in this church. I am thankful for their hearts and thankful for their love and support and the way that they offer comfort and bring your peace. Father, help us to be the kind of friends that will stand by each other's side. The kind of friends that offer encouragement and comfort. The kind of friends who know each other's hearts so well that, that we can struggle, we can wrestle, we can agonize in, in prayer for each other. And let us never forget that there are people around us who don't have those kind of friends. Give us wisdom encourage and the kind of love that reaches out and become, to become their friend for their sake and for the sake of your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in peace.